We sometimes think that innovation only happens inside semiconductor chips or software. But what about innovation in agriculture, such as vertical farming? Two social entrepreneurs from Ottawa are determined to improve food security, especially in Indigenous communities in Canada's north. They're innovating, they're producing thousands of tons of fresh produce, and they're capturing the attention of people near and far. Get the full story on The Grocer in this episode of Techopia Live. Hello, I'm Michael Curran from the Ottawa Business Journal. Welcome to Techopia Live. This is a regular podcast from OBJ that features executives from next generation technology companies. We want to shine a spotlight on the up and comers. We also want to keep you updated on the big flagship companies, all with a goal of keeping the tech sector informed and connected. Listen, if you watch Techopia Live, you could get the impression that all tech innovation in Ottawa happens in software as a service, telecom or semiconductor chips. Well, that's not the case. I'm sure you realize technology sector is much more diverse than that, but let's be honest. When you think of innovation, do you think of agriculture and farming? Well, today's two guests might change your minds on that. Back in 2015, these two co-founders recognized a major food security issue in Canada's North, particularly when it came to fresh produce. With no a feasible food system solution, these co-founders decided to tackle the challenge themselves. That was the beginning of Grocer. Let's watch this video. When we started to do the research, we realized that Grocer was not only the most space efficient, but was the most innovative in terms of the technology that they were using to produce local food. There's that educational piece. Youth ambassadors are being trained. From there, you can teach the canning, the fishing. It just has such a big ripple effect. There is a need in every community to have food, to have fresh vegetables. It's about promoting health. We have a chance to go in there each and every day, monitor the produce. It's fantastic, it's fresh, it's produced the way it's supposed to be. Isn't that impressive? And if you think that's impressive, wait till you meet the two impressive young leaders behind Grocer. Please welcome Corey Ellis, the founder and CEO. Welcome, Corey. And second, the co-founder, Lita Burke, uh, the co-founder, as I mentioned, and CFO. Welcome, Alita. Thanks, Michael. Exactly. How's everyone? Doing Pretty well. good. Yeah, a little yeah. chilly today, but otherwise doing good. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. It's that time of year and a busy time of year. So thanks for making some time with us. So Alita, maybe I'm going to get asked both of you to introduce yourself and maybe Alita, you could go first. Just give us a brief professional history, so to speak. For sure. Well, hello everyone. My name is Alita Burke. And yes, my side of the shop here at Grocer is everything finance and administrative. So um, my journey begins with Corey about six, seven years ago and uh, studied business in particular and in, in accounting more specifically. 
and did my undergrad at UOttawa, went to Carleton and did my master's. Um, and we've kind of built Grocer along the way. That's awesome. And Corey, uh, you were at UOttawa. Um, was looking at through your LinkedIn part of the Enactus thing, but but tell us a little bit about your journey, uh, Corey. Yeah, exactly. So we, Alita and I met in a student organization that focuses on social enterprise. So how do you use kind of a capitalism for-profit approach to, to apply to a, a social or environmental problem? And there was a student club on campus called Enactus that focused on that. So that's where we met. That brought us to Iqaluit in 2014 and 2015. And then it's from being in the north and then seeing the you know astronomical price of produce it was like the aha moment of let's let's try to solve that. And to be honest with you, we we jumped into this not realizing maybe it was going to pick up steam as soon as it did, and then it became a, a full blown business before we knew it. So we went from full time students to then juggling a full time business while being full time students for a number of years, and then now we've been in business now for going on eight years, and um, it's been a really fun journey along the way. I bet it's hard to believe it's been eight years. I mean, the better part of a decade. Alita, if you bumped into someone, uh, you know, the, the typical kind of elevator pitches, they say, how would you, how would you pitch uh, Grocer? Yeah, Grocer to us, I think, is all at its core enabling anyone, anywhere to grow food locally. So there's a lot of different facets in that. The core is, of course, growing food, but there's so much more that goes into it. Um, you know, there's capacity and education that we do. There's the hardware and then a variety of other kind of uh, distribution and supports associated with getting then the food to bellies at the end. So at its core, that's what we do in supporting our network of uh, 70 plus uh, farms across Canada. And, and Corey, fully appreciating that uh, Grocer is a private company and you're not going to get into revenues or that type of stuff, but give us some metrics on the company, whatever you can share in terms of employees or locations or funding or clients, uh, take it away. Yeah, so we've got about 80, uh, 70 farms now deployed in Canada. We've sold about 85. Uh, each each one of our farms, you know, tends to be around 250 to $350,000. Uh, we've got a team of 30 people. The, the bulk of the team is based and, and uh, works out of our headquarters here in Ottawa. But we have a team across the country. And uh, yeah, our farms are coast to coast to coast. So over the last eight years, our Annual growth rate is something in the 80% uh, range year over year. So we've been averaging pretty fast growth, roughly doubling the number of farms every year. And we're on track to double again for the year ahead. So really exciting. We, you know, the thing I'm most proud about about the business in the last little while is that last year we grew 10 million servings of vegetables uh, in the network. So really putting a meaningful dent in the problem that we meant to solve. It's taken us many years of building to get to a number like that. But, uh, but certainly, yeah, eight figures feels pretty good in terms of uh, number of meals served across the country. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a fantastic number. And we're, we're going to get into uh, the product itself and what makes it unique and, and growth. Uh, we're going to stay a little bit on your uh, journey. So one of the things that strikes me about Grocer is that, as you indicated, it kind of was this explosive growth, like you burst onto the scene. You, you were on Dragon's Den, um, so you suddenly became this, this uh, going enterprise. What sort of uh, funny stories do you have uh, in terms of that entrepreneurial uh, journey? Yeah, and there's we were reminiscing, and there's I think a lot to <laughs> to choose from. I think there's so many things you look back to, and you think, oh, remember this, and you're like, wow, hard to believe that that was you know four or five six years ago. 
Uh, the one we get asked a lot about is our Dragon's Den experience. We were on Dragon's Den. It aired in early 2019 and we shot it in May of 2018, and they always want to have something visual. So how do you show your story and your business so that you can kind of see, it's hard to picture what, what we do sometimes. So um, we were like, okay, well, we can bring um, a shelf from our farm here in Ottawa and at Baby Yards, and we can have it on set and you can see the plants and get a good feel, which is what we ended up doing. Um, but what you didn't realize, or what I didn't realize is that you can't have any sort of water on set um, because of the, you know, millions, I'm sure, of dollars of uh, equipment that uh, they have there. And not only did we have to take rent out a 26-foot box truck, the largest you can rent as legally, I think, um, get it all the way from Ottawa to Toronto, then uh, douse a few uh, stagehands along the way with some water, which they were not too happy about, <laughs> to then the plants ending up not being able to... They, they all died right before our shoot because you couldn't have any, any water on set and we had to bring it the night before. So ultimately it was for naught. However, they were did their movie magic and uh, you can if you look closely, you can see they're not doing too well, but ultimately they made it work and uh, we got a deal in the end. But it was a bit of an interesting and slightly stressful <laughs> experience along the way. The magic of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, revived your plants for you. Uh, and Corey, anything else to share about Dragon's Den or any other kind of uh, anecdote uh, that would be interesting for other entrepreneurs watching this? I mean, to pull on a string that Alita was just mentioning, I just distinctly remember us driving down Front Street in Toronto in this, what you could only picture as like a semi, like a semi, like a huge truck. We're like barely gotten our driver's license, let alone able to drive a semi down Front Street. And you're looking down at people's heads We've got one of our technicians in the back. He's uh, one of our R&D guys watering the plants by hand as we're going down the street uh, to try to keep the plants alive. So it, it was fun. It was a harrowing experience, but I think it goes to show it looked polished from the outside. But if you look behind the scenes, the startup journey was uh, was a lot of fun in the early days. It was definitely not as straight path or not as straightforward as uh, the plants. Um, but yeah. And I seem to remember you had massive interest from the dragons. What I, what I, when we've, we've had the dragon speak on occasion over the years and when I've talked to people who've been on the show, it's like, yeah, we, we did the deal, but it fell across, fell apart in due diligence. Are you able to say whether you actually closed the deal or a dragon uh, are invested, were invested? Yeah, we got four offers on the show out of five dragons and we ended up taking a deal with Lane Merrifeld and Arlene Dickinson uh, on the show. And then when we walked off set, you know, frankly, politely declined the offer. Um, and I, Alina and I had chatted ahead of the show. To be honest with you, we were kind of using it as an opportunity to get some free marketing. And in those days, our marketing budget was was this big. It was a big fat zero, and so it was a way to get a lot of press uh, without you know without you know needing to make a, a large amount of investment uh, ourselves. Yeah. And so you know, have a ton of respect for the dragons. But we went into the show even before we heard their offer. Kind of having spoken about you know we don't really want to bring in equity at this point as you probably know michael from having known us for close to a decade now like we bootstrapped for six of our eight years uh, of history so we were very intentional about kind of taking the long path of you know building a business and raising money at the right time when we felt like you know that capital could be deployed to, to grow the business when we were on dragon's den like alita said in what 2018 we were we were not ready for prime time yet we were just kind of figuring out our product market fit. We were just figuring out kind of how to get our product to be reliable in the way we were, we wanted it. So 
Uh, we weren't ready for uh, for outside investment quite yet, so we stayed disciplined. And I'm, I'm glad we talked about it before because what you don't realize is they're taping every second from like when you walk in the door to when you walk out through those you know famous doors on dragons on the set they've got a camera stuck in your face the entire time so there is no deliberation period where you can actually have a you know heart to heart or a, a sort of you know discussion of, of saying okay what are we actually going to do no they've got they've they've got a recording uh, of every single second in between so um yeah glad we had kind of sorted out our, our what we were willing to take and what we were in it for beforehand. That's awesome. And Alita, you have closed a little bit of funding uh, post. When you were ready to get it, you you have recently closed something, a little bit of external funding. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Really supporting kind of taking the, the, the key areas that we've really learned and honed in over the last few years in terms of product and um, kind of the finance side of it with our launch of Girls for Finance recently to to really kind of take what we've done and really grow from there. So really excited for the, the years to come. I think we, we've built something special and we're looking forward to continuing to build that journey. Good. And, and good idea to take the money when you need it and the time is right. Listen, we're going to put our conversation on pause for about 45 seconds. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get into the product. So I'm really interested in asking all those questions. But again, let's recognize the sponsor of this episode. Here is Pearlie Robertson, Hill and McDougall. Tech companies must move at the speed of light, and they need a law firm that moves just as fast. Pearlie Robertson, Hill and McDougall has developed long-standing expertise in helping tech companies address their legal matters. As Ottawa's largest premier full-service law firm, Pearlie Robertson Hill & McDougall has provided a number of specialized legal services for the past 50 years. Pearlie Robertson Hill & McDougall's in-house legal experts can help tech companies with financing strategies, venture capital, private placements and public offerings, mergers and acquisitions, intellectual property protections, shareholder agreements, and much more. To learn more about how Pearlie Robertson Hill & McDougall can help your company, visit perlaw.ca. All right, we're back with Alita and Corey from Grocer. So an unsophisticated person like me uh, could uh, look at the grocer and say, oh, they're doing hydroponics in a shipping container. Uh, but I suspect I'm wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of right, but I suspect <laughs> I'm much, it's much more complicated than that. Alita, do you want to take the first stab at explaining to me, uh, you know, what the product is and, and maybe it's a little bit of its development story? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the video is a great way of showing it because like you said, it's kind of hard to kind of contextualize um, without a visual, but you can imagine our, our main flagship product is a 40 foot shipping container size. Um, and inside you're creating the optimal environment for plants to grow. So you've got shelves that have small beds of water and the plants are growing on rafts on these little shallow ponds. And then you have LED lighting and a, a great HVAC kind of system to support the plants to be able to grow 365 days of the year. So no matter if it's minus 50 outside or plus 40, you know, the plants are happy and, and growing uh, and really focused on growing quickly so that you're able to get, you know, from seed to harvest for, let's say, lettuce about six weeks or so. So those are kind of the, some of the key factors that um, help grow optimally with one of our units. Okay. And Corey, 
uh, so let me just come back to the concept of shipping containers. They're not actually shipping containers, right? Not anymore. <clears throat> Our first 20 or so were shipping containers. So if you okay. were to see us in 2016, 2017, we were using them. And then we decided to move to a larger platform. So we now build in what we call structurally insulated panels. So we build from recycled materials, but the structure itself is, is brand new and, and proprietary. And uh, essentially that gives us a more flexibility on building the size, exact size we want, leaving more room and they're just, you know, easier to use and, and more user-friendly, more, more um, labor efficient. Yeah, I like I noticed the size of them in the video and some other photos. Like it, I was like, that can't be a shipping container. It's too wide. And you even have some that are accessible, by the way, right? Exactly. Yeah. In the last six months or so, we uh, we developed alongside some partners, uh, the world's first, uh, to our knowledge, uh, fully accessible uh, vertical farm. And so for people with accessibility or mobility devices, uh, this is a way for you to actually be able to operate a, a piece of machinery like this. So uh, it was very exciting. We've now launched two of those projects. Both are in the GTA. Um, and uh, and yeah, really need to kind of see instead of unique ways our technology is being used nowadays. Uh, definitely not the intent and what we had in mind and, and what we had envisioned when we, we started this business. But we're so we're so happy we're here and we're, we're happy that people are getting creative on, on really compelling and, and impactful ways to use the technology we developed. All right, Alita, let's come back to you. Um, can you paint the picture, Alita, of a typical client or use? You know, I know that you started off thinking about Canada's North and insecure and food insecurity, but I'm curious about who your typical customer is now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things or that COVID has actually shown in the last couple of years is how food supply chains can really be easily disrupted. And, you know, even here in Ottawa, the last few years, food prices have risen really dramatically. So our with that, our clientele has changed as well and has evolved. So, you know, one of our key areas that is where we started and where we continue to uh, support a lot of clientele is in our Indigenous markets. So folks that are looking for projects to support their local community um, uh, in southern and more northern parts of Canada. Another key vertical are education institutions and, and other kind of more social ventures where the focus is in learning how to grow and the different facets associated with um, growing food locally. So we have a client Alterio School in uh, Alberta. And so they run a CSA program for their local community, but then the students are running it and are learning along the way. And then the last is our more commercial retailer market. So you've got folks like the co-op brand, um, further, I guess, out west, and they have one, let's say, in their grocery store parking lot. And so they run it under their own brand and then sell it on the store shelves. So, and that's more and more the types of clientele that we're supporting um, and looking to, to grow food locally. Okay, good. And uh, we'll start wrapping up, but Corey, I want to ask you about any sort of uh, milestones or new products. For example, I understand that the grocer has now offering uh, some finance options for people that want to uh, purchase units? That's right, yes, yeah, so about a month ago, we launched more formally grocery finance, which we've been doing for a couple of years. Uh, but what the program is meant to do is to match people who wanna get into farming, but don't have the access to capital with folks who wanna invest in this kind of food security infrastructure, but don't wanna become farmers. So we're actually kind of playing matchmaker. We, we've launched a infrastructure fund essentially that allows us to offer our technology for less upfront costs and people pay a lease over, over time. So in essence, it's an infrastructure fund that collects 
has a, a triple net leases with a, a number of farmers. So we're deploying a few dozen farms under that model this year. And really what I'm excited about is that it makes our technology that much more accessible. We have hundreds of people across North America that see the need in their communities to grow more food locally. They're passionate about wanting to do it. They want to get their hands dirty. And, uh, and they, you know, the only really barrier for them to get started is, is capital. And so this is our opportunity to invest in this wave of entrepreneurs who want to be part of growing food more sustainably. They want to be part of uh, the green revolution. And, uh, and so what's exciting is we can pick the best of the best, look at their business models, find the ones that we feel compelled by that there's a strong, you know, market opportunity in a particular part of Canada, perhaps, and they're looking to produce food into that market, um, then we can invest in their project, invest in their idea and help them get off the ground. So it's uh, honestly, if I, if I think back, it's we're, we're building the business that we wish we would have had in Callaway in 2015 and 2016, all the elements of what would have been roadblocks in our way at that time, we're addressing them one by one. It's the hardware, it's the services, it's the training, it's the support along the way, and then now finally the financing. So we're really trying to build a, a full ecosystem that comprehensively kind of gives someone everything they need, all the tools in the toolkit they need to get growing. That's that's really neat. And you know, entrepreneurs sometimes think they can solve all the problems at once. And and you're kind of demonstrating, Alita and Corey, that, uh, hey, sometimes it takes many, many years, almost a decade to get things sorted out and, and perfected. But that's that's great news. Listen, we're going to start wrapping up. Uh, but before we do, uh, we want to make time for our uh, episode, uh, our question, our Building the Better Working World segment brought to you by EY. is enabling local food sovereignty while creating good well-paying jobs for people who grow our food all across the country all right short and sweet rolls off the tongue <laughs> inside joke yeah uh well listen uh Corey and alita thank you so much for spending some time with us um grocer is you know just one of these inspirational stories of entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship i i should say as well at i think the whole city or the business community at least is uh behind you guys as cheerleaders and we wish you all the best in 2024. thanks michael it takes a village and i uh, really appreciate the the support over the years yeah, all right thank Thanks, Alita. Thanks, Corey. All right. Uh, Corey and Alita from Grocer. What an inspirational story right here in Ottawa. Before we wrap up, let's take a look at some of the other great companies that champion our Techopia project. Techopia is brought to you by many great sponsors, such as EY, Building a Better Working World. Number Crunch, offering virtual CFO services for SaaS companies. Pearly Robertson, Hill & McDougall a leader in business and technology sector law, TD Bank, specialized programs for technology companies, the University of Ottawa Faculty of Engineering, creating the next generation of technical talent. Techopia is not only a podcast, we post new articles daily at obj.ca slash techopia. And if you're on YouTube, please subscribe and click the bell icon.
All right, exciting to uh, talk to the grocer, the co-founders of the grocer today. I'm so happy, uh, happy we did that, and we'll continue watching their stories. A couple things before we wrap up, uh, both Techopia related. One, uh, still great idea to check out our Techopia EY Insights magazine uh, that was produced a little earlier this year. We're working on the 2024 uh, edition already. You can check that out at techopiaeyinsights.ca. Lots of great content on the history of technology products, what some of the key uh, executives from three generations think about where Ottawa's tech sector is going, some top 10 companies, all great stuff. Also, I wanted to point out that uh, OBJ has launched a new me membership program or an, an evolution of its membership program. It's called OBJ Insider. What just changed is something called OBJ Insider for groups. So we offer exclusive news uh, on the website as well as uh, mailing of our key publications. And now groups of people can enter in subscription and earn up to 20% off at all on a low monthly cost. I want to thank you for watching and or listening. We hope Techopia is keeping you informed and connected. Let's keep building Ottawa's technology utopia. That's Techopia. See you soon. Bye-bye.